Hi, I'm Cynthia, the spontaneous F-bomb dropping Virgo who likes to sort socks. And I'm Michelle, the highly inquisitive, science-loving hypnotherapist who reads and walks a whole lot. You're You're listening listening to to It's All Connected. Connected. We decided to start this podcast because we are wildly curious and we want to talk about how events are connected, like spirit, business, love, and relationships, especially if the cause isn't obvious. We're also going to be talking about self-expansion and life's true purpose, because it's our belief that there are invisible cosmic forces tying things together, often in unexpected and wonderful ways. We want to learn how people think about connections, making space for serendipity, the unknown, and magic. Nerd out with us and have fun along the way. Follow us and expand your sense of what's possible. Because it's all connected! Hi! I'm Cynthia Varkavisser, and you are listening to It's All Connected. Today, I have the absolute honor of interviewing my friend and fellow podcaster, Michelle Walters. Now, Michelle and I have known each other for at least 10 years, and it was a lot of fun how we grew our relationship. It started off at a um, bookstore where I was teaching classes, and Michelle was a stellar student. And the thing that I loved about her is that she was opposite in me, not in practice, but in presentation. So where I go very quickly and I say a lot of F-bombs and things like that, Michelle is deliberate. She's very thoughtful. She gives out very um, great information. And there came a point where it was time for her to do her own thing. So she went off to hypnotherapy school. But what I love most about that is that we're not going to talk about that at all today. We're going to talk about Michelle and her spiritual journey uh, on the Camino del Santiago. And the only reason I know about this journey is uh, Paolo Coelho, my favorite author, wrote a book called The Pilgrimage. So Michelle, thank you so much for allowing me to interview you. I would love to ask you a couple of questions about your trip. Is that, are you ready for that? Absolutely. Thank you for such a warm introduction, Cynthia. I'm happy and I'm glad to be here today to to talk about my pilgrimage to Camino de Santiago and Coelho's book and why I was there and anything you want to ask. Cool. Great. So here's, we're going to get started. First, I'd like to hear your definition of what is a spiritual journey? Spiritual journey is completely dependent upon the interpreter of that term. As as a person who walked the Camino, I met dozens, maybe a couple hundred people who were all there theoretically for a spiritual journey. And really every single one of them was there for their own individual thing, whether that was getting over a divorce, uh, a rift in the family, a desire to get in better shape, just be healthy, a desire to be outdoors. So I think what it reflects is that a spiritual journey is really any kind of a endeavor that you undertake to stretch and grow your spirit. And it can be the meaning of it can, can be a lot of different things. And, and for some people, I mean, like I said, there were people on the Camino who were really not there because of anything that they connected to their spirit. They thought they were entirely there to, to have a party or to um, get in better shape. 
Um, but when you think about it, I mean, I guess that's back to the name of our show. It's all connected. I, I kind of view it as, you know, you might think that you're there for your body, but you're really there for a combination of your body and mind. Like, and, and a lot of those um, features and aspects, I guess, of the Camino sort of came out to different people at different moments and times in their journey, certainly did for me. Great, because that was my next question. I would like to know what, what came about in order for you to decide it was time to go on the Camino? And I'd love to know what were your aha moments? What, what happened? So I've been kind of thinking about going on the Camino for, I don't know, probably 20, 30 plus years. I don't know, a long time. Um, one of my favorite books, other than Quelo's books and The Pilgrimage, another one of my favorite books is called Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett. And Pillars of the Earth tells a story about building a cathedral in England, but one of the main characters goes off and walks the Camino. And this is in medieval England. And that's been a favorite book for a long time. And I always kind of wondered about this, this, this road, really it's a series of roads that all lead to uh, Santiago, to Santiago de Compostela. And, uh, but there's one primary road, uh, the, the French way, which starts across the border in France and then goes all the way to uh, Santiago de Compostela. I did not start in France. I started a little ways down the trail. Um, I decided to really, I'd been thinking about this for a long time, but the, a combination of factors all had to sort of come together to make this something I could do at this particular moment in time. I hiked last year in the fall of 2021, and it was, um, kind of a unique time in my life in that my 17 year old son and I were living with my mom. And so he's nearly grown and he could stay with grandma for that period of time. I've been a single parent most of my life. And so needed to make sure that there was child coverage. And at 17, he's, you know, pretty much taken care of it on his own. Um, I have a dog, so they could take care of the dog. I was between jobs. Um, my previous career was in digital marketing, and I decided over the pandemic to shift gears and move to clinical hypnotherapy. My practice was very small, so turning it off for a few weeks was, was okay at the time. But really the biggest reason why I went on the Camino in 2021 is that my dear, dear partner, Scott, who I met six or seven years ago, had become very ill. He had uh, a serious rare disease that was killing his kidneys. And he was also suffering, he'd had a stroke a year before and several seizures and a huge amount of the care had landed on me. And I needed an opportunity to take a break and let his family step up and take care of him while I did something for me because I had spent really the better part of the previous year taking care of Scott. and. I loved him. He passed away shortly after I came back from my Camino, um, but I, I needed to go on Camino in order to, to heal what I knew was an upcoming loss. So 
you know, some people go on Camino after someone has passed. That's a pretty common reason for folks walking the Camino. I actually walked just before Scott passed, but, um, and it was unclear when I walked the Camino, how long Scott would, would live. Um, I certainly expected him to live more than two and a half weeks, which is what he did live. Um, but the, the purpose of the Camino was really to give myself a break um, and to focus on myself because I had been very, very focused on Scott and raising my son and other people. And it, it was time to sort of have some time to focus on myself. Right. Right. We, we had to talk about this before and you said that there was a point in on the, on the Camino. Well, first of all, if you could tell the audience how far you went, you walked in, in the duration, because that to me is just mind blowing. <laughs> so I started on the French trail. I did not start at the traditional beginning. I started a little bit ways down the path because the beginning of the trail actually starts with a mountain. And I was scared to death of climbing the mountain on my first day. So the advice of two brother-in-laws who have hiked the Camino, I started in the middle um, in a town called Burgos. And from Burgos to Camino or down the Camino to Santiago de Compostela was 300 miles. So I walked 300 miles over the span of three weeks. And yes, that's a lot of walking. Um, I did do some training uh, before I went. I worked with a personal trainer a couple times a week to get stronger. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I did 300 miles in, in three weeks and it is harder on your body than you can imagine. Um, but it's also, it, it, it sounds sort of unachievable. And for some people, if your body isn't in, in pretty good condition, it could be unachievable. Um, but there were people walking the Camino in their seventies. There were, you know, um, it, it's, it's a lot to walk 15 or so miles a day. It's not impossible right. for, for, for many of us anyway. Right. You also mentioned at one time that uh, there are parts of the trail where you're all by yourself. And so all you're thinking about are your shoes or one step at a time and that you started praying. Now, I don't know if you prayed previously or what, what prayer was like, but I'd love to hear how prayer affected you while you're, while you're on, your, on your walk. It kind of cracked me up that I found myself praying on the Camino. Um, I grew up Catholic, know most of my important prayers, but I'm not an incredibly go to churchy kind of person. I'm not a really repeat prayers or say rosaries kind of person. The thing about walking the Camino, when you're walking that many miles. So I had made a decision that I was not going to listen to my, I wasn't going to use my AirPods on the trail. I was going to be present for every step on the trail. And, um, I mean, it's totally up to the individual. People can do whatever they want. I just decided that I would, this is what I was there to do. So I was going to do it mindfully, if you will. And, um, but you know, when you've been walking for six or seven hours a day and you're kind of spaced out from the other pilgrims and you don't see anybody else. Yeah, it's beautiful, but it's kind of boring. And so you got to figure out, like, how do you entertain your mind? And so, you know, I started singing to myself. I started um, talking to 
talking to myself and and I started saying prayers and um it wasn't even really it, it was partly a matter of praying and it was partly a matter of just having like a soundtrack if you will in in your mind and it was it was helpful in that regard I I don't I don't know if I've ever, I mean, there were a lot of other people on the trail. It's not like I didn't have people to talk to, but in many ways, I feel like those three weeks, I probably spent more time alone than I've ever really spent alone. I mean, it's really a very alone process. And, um, and that was extremely hard for me, but also very helpful to sort of growing and, and ultimately beginning a difficult process of releasing my love for Scott and, and grieving him after his passing. Right. Right. Well, you are listening to It's All Connected with Cynthia Varkavisser and Michelle Walters. Follow us on your podcast app so you don't miss any of our upcoming interviews. So Michelle, what I'd like to know is with prayer happening and the slowing down of everything as you're walking, did you have an aha moment where something transitioned or were they a series of small aha moments where all of a sudden you went, holy shit, I'm changed. <laughs> you know, I think I wanted one. I wanted one desperately, but I didn't really have one like that. It wasn't an aha moment. Although over the span of such a long walk, um, the biggest gain for me was really self-confidence and self-confidence in terms of becoming more comfortable with spending time alone because I was alone so much. Um, and, and, and there were folks on the Camino who made new friends and partied it up every night. That really wasn't me. I, I really did a lot of this as very much a solo journey, you know, in Quelo's book, the character meets devils and he has all of these kind of, you know, big moments. I didn't have those moments. Mine were really more subtle and small, but the, the physical strength that I gained from the walk and I lost a ton of weight, um, you know, it's fantastic to lose weight when you're like eating French fries and drinking Coca-Colas, but you're walking <laughs> for eight hours a day. Um, but where I really grew was physically, physically, I grew mentally, I grew stronger as a result of spending so much time alone. Um, so it wasn't so much an aha moment, but a wonderful thing about the Camino is that the Camino gives you a goal. Like you have a goal, you have a destination, you have a destination for the end of your walk and you have a destination for each day in terms of, you know, sort of filling that day and, and going as far as you intended to go. And that, that focus and that simplicity make it a very healing journey. I mean, on the, on the Camino, you, you're not working, you're not worried about your job. You're not worried about, you're not worried about, you know, does your stove work? Like you, you pretty much worry about your body and, and getting it from point A to point B. 
And, um, and that's really the simplicity and the focus of it were, were very healing. And, and I'm grateful to have had that opportunity to go. Um, it's, um, you know, I kind of think of, of healing, you can heal in small ways. And then if really huge, horrible things happen, <laughs> you can take the opportunity to go on the Camino and spend three weeks and walk 300 miles and, um, and come out of it different. I wouldn't say drastically different, but a little different. And, and for me, I grew in some important ways. You know, during this whole time that we're talking, I love that you're talking about your aloneness. Not once have you mentioned being lonely. And I would love to hear about, did you ever get lonely? And did you differentiate between the two if you ever did? I was very lonely. Um, I was very lonely. And I mean, lonely on those long walks when you're singing happy birthday to yourself because you can't figure out what else to do to kill the time. Um, I was lonely looking around, realizing that there were some other people hiking the trail with me who'd made great new friends and they were checking up on each other and this kind of a thing. And, and I hadn't really found anybody like that. I did find one, I found a couple of friends, but, but I didn't have a tight knit group the way some people did. And, and observing that, you know, only elevated feelings of loneliness. Um, I don't like feeling lonely, I hate it, truthfully, but um, on the Camino, I guess it sort of served as a reminder that that a lot of strength has to come from yourself and um and it was a way of beginning a shift to more strength coming from me internally as opposed to being supported and held up by my man my community things like that now we were talking about these things. What I'd like to know is, did it change your mind about your work? I know that you went uh, thinking about Scott. Did other things come in like your work, your business? Your family? You know, I thought I would meet like tons of people at, on the Camino and I would have an opportunity to talk about my work, kind of refine my idea of what I was going to do. And I didn't really. <laughs> I mean, I met, I met a few people. Um, and, and when you meet people on the Camino and you tell them you're a hypnotherapist, that seems totally normal. I mean, like, you know, on the, on the Camino, you meet, you, I don't want to say you meet oddballs, but, but you meet people who um, are, are going to great lengths to do something quite unusual. You know, um, I met, I met a priest who didn't want anybody to know he was a priest because he'd walked the Camino before as a priest. And when people found out they all wanted blessings and all kinds of stuff from him. And he was like, no, this is my vacation. <laughs> um, I met, a, I met a few, I met a few priests, but most, most of the priests were trying to sort of stay, um, low key kind of under, under the radar, which I thought was interesting. Um, you meet, you meet a lot of people who are retired. 
I met, I met this one couple that was doing the Camino. They had started in Belgium. Wow. And walked all the way from Belgium. They had left the house on the day of the husband's retirement. And this is what they were doing. Um, there's a fair number of people there who are retired, who are really sort of go-getter type people and don't do well without a goal. <laughs> and the Camino provides that kind of um, structure and daily goal um, that that sort of a person that sort of a person likes. I met several people who were doing the Camino for the second or fifth time. Um, which is interesting. People were saying, oh, this, you know, there's some people like, oh, this is so great. I could just do this all the time. And I was like, I don't know that I ever need to do this again. I'm here <laughs> to heal a specific situation. And um, I don't know. I mean, it's within, it's within imagination. I would do it again, but, um, but it's a big deal. It's, it's a, it's a difficult trip and you, you do need to be kind of of the right mindset, but for somebody who's really got an enormous amount to heal with a certain kind of personality that the Camino is a, a, um, I don't know. It's like a big gulp of healing power, super big gulp. Amazing. Amazing. I big props to you. I am not the uh, hiker. And so in my mind, I'm always going on the Camino. Um, in reality, I don't even make it to the corner store. So mad props to you. But I also, uh, here's the thing. You recently came out with a book. Yes. And I was wondering if this book, and if you could tell us what the book is and what it's about, um, how that came about. Did it come about from the Camino? It did not. Wow. It did not. So um, when, when I was taking care of Scott, I had uh, quite a bit of time to sit in an office that I had set up at his house. And I've kind of always wanted to write a book. And so I was like, well, what could I write a book about? Well, in the world of digital marketing, I changed jobs many, many times. And so I got better and better at figuring out sort of a, where's my spirit and how does it align to the spirit of the organization that I'm interviewing with? And how do I do all the necessary work that is important to do on an internal basis in order to ready myself and ultimately be offered that job? And so that's what I decided to write a book about. So I wrote the book a few months before I went on Camino. Um, my book is called An Alignment of Spirit, Finding Work You Love. And it really sort of describes kind of my philosophy of things, I guess, minus the Camino. Because <laughs> um, I hadn't decided to go on Camino when I was, I was writing the book. So I wrote the book and then I sort of put it in a drawer for a few months. Um, and that's when I hiked the Camino. And then Scott passed rapidly after that. And I took a few months out to just try and cope with that, even though his death was at one level inevitable or anticipatable, it doesn't really change. It doesn't change how hard grief is. I, I don't think it, it, grief is still really, really hard. Um, and then this spring I 
opened the drawer and found my book and decided that I should I should put it together and put it out. So I think of the book and my Camino experience as being really quite different, but they're both demonstrations of of who I am and um, and kind of what <laughs> it's different techniques of of picking yourself up again after loss, right? So my book is a lot about sort of a, you don't have a job or you have a job that's not the right one. How do you pick yourself up again and get in the right spirit to do that? Um, my technique of going on the Camino to, to, um, to handle a difficult situation was, was a different technique. It's really not the one described in the book. Um, but I guess maybe I could write another book about the Camino. <laughs> you could totally do that. You could totally do that. What I find interesting is that you have two completely different experiences that have come off of one thing, which is the, the grieving of losing, losing someone, right, physically. And, and both of them are, you know, they have longevity right? There's a memory of the Camino. And then you have this book that's now that it's out, it's not going to cut. It's you can't undo it. And the thing is, is that you can't undo the Camino either. Right. So I have, I can't wait to talk to you about the book. What I, I, how did you come back? What's your takeaway from this, from the, from the Camino? Because it's so different than the book. So I really came back from the Camino and spent a couple of months really just trying to sort through my feelings and, and everything about Scott's passing. Um, that was really, really hard. The getting started on the book, when I started 2022, um, two months after Scott died, I decided that 2022 needed to be a new year. It needed to be a year of an expansion. It needed to be a year of growth. It needed to be a year of doing some new things. And I mean, I guess I've always been a person to do new things. Going on the Camino was a new thing for me. Um, but the, the book really gave me um, a focal point and a way to communicate about a lot of my, a lot of my reading, a lot of my study, a lot of my experience, personal experience and learnings um, that I feel is really important to share with individuals, you know, it's not just COVID. It's kind of everything going on in the world right now. You know, we, we, we've sped things up so much that there's a lot of energy shifts going on and people need help and advice and tools and ways to feel like they still have their feet on the ground um, with all of these things going on. And that's that's really what my, my book is about. The other thing is I think we've just kind of lost touch with the fact that work is a spiritual endeavor. Like you work to satisfy aspects of your spirit. And nobody talks about that. Everybody sort of seems to think that work and spirit should, should live in completely different worlds unless you're a priest or something. Right. And, um, and it's just not true. And and so I want to empower people to see themselves and to understand their energy and to be able to work with it and harness it and control it to replace patterns of thinking 
to replace thought patterns in the mind that are ineffective with better thought patterns that will be more effective so that they can really get into the right place and have better a better life and better professional opportunities. Someday I wanted to get, get into thinking about the chi of organizations and kind of what we were talking about at an earlier time, but I um, that's, coming. that's coming. Oh yeah, that is definitely coming. I really wanna talk about that. And that you can tell that I'm pretty sparked on that one as well. So let me ask you this, how do you apply your Camino experience to your to today, to your daily work? Probably the biggest impact of the Camino on me was an elevation in self-confidence. It, it is a hard but not impossible thing to walk 300 miles in three weeks. And when I realized that I achieved that goal, which is a very physical goal, and I am not really a very physical person. I've never done anything like this before. I've never been in sports. I've never done any, I, I like to be outdoors, but, um, so I would say that the biggest takeaway from my Camino experience was an elevation in self-confidence. And that's what I am taking now to the publication of my book, to my work with clients, to helping clients to build their own self-confidence, usually in ways that are smaller than the Camino. But um, yeah, it's really, it's really self-confidence gained from that experience. Wow. I want to thank you for sharing this. I know that talking about Scott's very personal and the, the journey that you have taken physically and emotionally uh, is big, very big. You know, I adore you. I love how you explain things and, and break things down. And it's been really lovely talking to you about your journey from one place to another. So thank you very, very much. Thank you, Cynthia. I thoroughly enjoyed it. You're listening to It's All Connected with Cynthia Varkavisser and Michelle Walters. Follow us on your podcast app so you don't miss any of our upcoming interviews. Thank you. Thank See you, you next time. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to It's, it's All Connected. connected.